In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Once, while driving from Texas to the East Coast, I drove past a large billboard with a black background and big, bold, white letters that said, For God so loved the world, John 3.16. And underneath an ominous red font said, Believe or else. In driving through the country, I've seen worse billboards, but this one might be the one that misses the mark in the most dramatic way. John 3.16 is, of course, one of the most well-known verses in the New Testament, which means that it almost always appears without the context within which Jesus said it. So much so that when Deacon Kelly read our gospel text, your ear might have even missed this iconic verse nestled in this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, a prominent Jewish leader. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the cloak of night and brings with him earnest questions about who Jesus is and all that he says. And perhaps because of billboards like the ones I mentioned or other narratives around John 3.16, I tend to hear Jesus with a bit of a dismissive tone as he's talking to Nicodemus. You must be born again before you can understand anything I've said. Like all of you, I bring to our holy scriptures all of the experiences I've ever had with our sacred text. And like some of you, a lot of it is not good. But when it comes to reading scripture, I do my best at this stage of my spiritual life to pay attention to the texture of my reaction. Sometimes I can hear a response, hear a passage, and rather than responding to the truth of it, I respond to all the billboards, literal or metaphorical, that have peppered my life. This exchange that we hear between Jesus and Nicodemus is one that requires that we get inquisitive about what is actually happening. Nicodemus comes in the darkness of the night to ask Jesus an innocent question after affirming that he knows that Jesus is a teacher sent from God. And we don't actually know very much about Nicodemus other than the fact that he was very prominent and learned and a leader. This exchange between Nicodemus and Jesus only appears in John's Gospel, so we don't even have another perspective on it as well. And even though we don't have another perspective, I doubt that the intent of this conversation was so that 21st century Christians could have a proof text to shame other people into believing. In fact, in this back and forth, I don't hear Jesus shutting Nicodemus down by saying those iconic words, for God so loved the world. But rather, I hear some deep truths about faith in this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. I hear that we cannot intellectualize our way into faith because faith takes time. 
It requires conversion. And this conversion asks us to be born anew in water and spirit because it is in our baptism that we are transformed. Or rather, our baptism is the beginning of our transformation. It is the beginning of a life transformed by a deep love that God has for the world. When we hear this exchange between Jesus and Nicodemus, it's vital to remember the context. Each of the gospel writers have a certain style and intent and audience. And this account is found in the gospel according to John. And for John, nothing, nothing supersedes love. Love is the ultimate. And as our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, says, if it's not about love, it is not about God. The entirety of the Christian life points us toward love and the transformation that is brought about by that love. We meet Nicodemus in this narrative from John on his way to a life of faith. Nicodemus comes to Christ with these questions, hoping to find answers, and instead he finds not an intellectual answer, but a new way to live life. Nicodemus, unlike a lot of folks who interact with Christ in our Gospels, is not a person who had an interaction and was immediately changed. The Gospels are full of people like that, but that is not Nicodemus' story. Nicodemus' story is a slow development, a slow conversion. It happens not through a download of information and an intellectual choice, but rather through a life that was changed by an unrelenting love and the movement of the Spirit. We know this not just because it's a beautiful thing to think, but because this is not Nicodemus's last appearance in John's gospel. Nicodemus appears twice more. He reappears to advocate for Jesus to have a fair trial, defending Jesus before the Sanhedrin in chapter seven. And he publicly confesses his faith as he cares for Christ's body, assisting in giving a proper and righteous burial in chapter 19. All of this happens because after coming to Jesus in the night with a simple question, Nicodemus's life was transformed in unexpected and brilliant ways. I doubt that Nicodemus would have expected his life, his stable, prestigious life as a leader in the community to be spent speaking for someone who couldn't speak for themselves and doing powerful acts of love for one so despised and condemned to such a shameful death. But his is not a quick conversion. His is the story of a life transformed by love. 
And this is what's compelling about this text today. It's not just John 3.16 and how it's been used over the past 30 or something years, but rather how Nicodemus' life was changed when he came to know and believe in God's deep and abiding love. The beginning of Nicodemus' transformation is a good word for us to hear. It's hard in our society not to expect and assume an instantaneous transformation that sets us on a new course. But that is not Nicodemus' story, and it's not most of ours. Our stories are lifelong transformations and conversions of love. We come to God with our questions and our hopes to seek the truth, but maybe the truth can't actually be intellectually articulated or gained. Rather, it's an experience of being loved and showing love that provides the conversion. This conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus makes us ask ourselves then, what do we need to be converted to a life of love? What parts of our life need not an instant knowledge to make change, but rather the slow, continual, unrelenting love that God showed the world. Maybe for you, it's overcoming a frustration with a coworker or embracing a difficult conversation with a family member. Maybe the conversation, the conversion to love is really just about fully embracing the courage to stand up for those whose voices are being silenced or for the oppressed or for the despised. It's very rare that I stand in this pulpit three Sundays in a row, but by now I hope you know I love Lent. I love Lent because it is such a gift of a season. It's a gift of a season to reflect on the questions we bring to our sacred text the questions we bring to our faith, to how we have or have not lived into that conversion of love. Lent offers us a time to reflect on where the Spirit might be calling us to live a new life, to be born again. And Lent offers us the time to see how our life of faith ought to be so imbued with love that we cannot help but to become something new. To have a conversion of love like Nicodemus. To be changed, not instantaneously, but slowly. Lent, this season, offers us the opportunity to lean into that, that slow conversion of love. Lean into the truth where we are changed simply by the act of being loved and loving others. 
just as God so loved the world. Amen.